Hello, listener. How are you today? You are very welcome to the next in my series of Mindful Meets. And today we're going to be talking to Leanne Azam, who is going to talk about a number of things, actually. So we have disordered relationship with food in common. We also have a love of pets in common. We also have a person in common. So we're going to explore all of that um, in a moment. You're very welcome, Leanne. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to be here. It's lovely. For those of you who are listening, she's very smiley. She's wearing bright pink. And in the background, there is the most enormous cat activity tower I've ever seen in my life. Um, but before we get into that, thank you for listening to the Mindful Eating Clinic podcast. As you will know, the majority of my guests on here are all here because they do work that people that takes people from a difficult place to a more comfortable place. There's very often a mindful and nutritional element to what they do. But all of my guests have a story. And for many, many of them, the reason why, or one of the reasons why they do the work that they do, or they're about to embark in Leanne's case, because she's very up on the work that she's going to do, is because of their own story and I love that those of you that know me will know that my 40 years with disordered eating created the Michael clinic quite late on in my career and it's always really interesting for me to speak to people that have a similar adventure stroke journey because then it comes from a place of real understanding and real and almost like a an overwhelming desire to make a difference to other people and Leanne is nodding so I'm going to hand over to her very very quickly so so Leanne there's quite a lot I think to to explore with you shall we start with your experience your the 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 part of your life that actually started to perhaps change the way you thought about your eating the way you thought about yourself and your body and and just take it take it from from there yeah, for sure. Um, going back a fair number of years now, so around about, well, 2012, I think, is probably where it all originated. So I lost my dad very suddenly in 2012. Mm. Um, and then it was the following year, actually, that I started to kind of start obsessing a little bit about things. So I went on a holiday and, as we've probably all done, saw a not-so-lovely picture of myself and decided that I had to change everything um, and just kind of went all in. So I downloaded the lovely MyFitnessPal app um, and obviously put in all my information, which told me I should be on a crazy low number of calories, but knowing absolutely nothing at the time. Like My background then, I did nothing to do with fitness, nutrition. I was literally a receptionist, so I didn't know anything. So I just started following that religiously. And it did more and more and more of an obsession. Um, and I could go into like red, I'd end up literally if I had to just like jogging around my living room to make sure that I'd burned off enough calories to be able to stay on my green. Um so, and that so led... up until that point, had you had you really yeah. eaten fairly normally? You hadn't really Yeah, like um... probably not the healthiest diet, but I'd never had any any like mm issues because I think a lot of times it starts with people when they're teenagers understandably because 
you got all that pressure going on there. But I was very lucky in that I didn't really struggle too much throughout mm-hmm. growing up. Um, it was only um, it was twenty twelve, so I would have been twenty five, I think, yeah. at that point. So we'd gone past so all of that. You can really pinpoint it to that mm. very very sad tragic yeah. moment in your in your life. Yeah. And I wonder whether there was a there was a need to have some sort of control to be able to have a grasp on your life and you because of that that tumultuous event happening to you do you think that's what has been happening I think that's exactly right yeah that's kind of what I've come down to because it was so unexpected and I'd never felt so completely out of control of everything and I do think yeah that like I when I started getting into the calorie counting and you could be so specific and you could have everything down to like the number I think it did stem from feeling the last year just completely out of control with everything else so yeah I think you're absolutely spot on there mm. for me I think all started. Yeah. and and that I know from speaking to some of my clients that 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 need to have that external control can actually be very reassuring can't it when we're in it and I remember having having all the apps I mean all the all the plans and actually feeling some sense of security and and comfort in in that structure almost that well if I follow the structure nothing can go wrong yeah because this plan or this book or this app is telling me that's what I need to do therefore almost almost um evolving that responsibility makes us feel better doesn't it yeah. makes us feel yeah. a bit safer 100% I felt great for a while like I thought I was really kind of <laughs> on top of everything I felt really good about it like it didn't become any kind of issue for me that I felt like it was an issue until quite a bit later like in those initial maybe first probably a couple of years even like I was th- thinking I'd got it sussed <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah. what everyone should do you know it yes was, um... exactly and and there were probably other people around you doing it as well and there's yeah yeah whole... exactly safety and numbers thing isn't there well That's everyone it. else is doing it yeah you know this is great and I'm part of this great you know <laughs> calorie counting buzzing family exactly. and then you get and the I external think... validation as well people are like, oh you look really good like what are you doing like, you know you go into the story and then suddenly people are coming to you for advice and you're like oh yeah I've really sussed this like but yeah, and you know <laughs> and there's there's so much isn't there that then causes a negative um problem with 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 the the disproportionate ratio of external validation to internal yeah and if the uh, external gets bigger and bigger and bigger then the internal can get can get smaller and then it just matters so much that we feel like we can't stop even if we even if we want to that we dare yeah. stop yeah because exactly. all, because all these people have seen us at a certain weight or expect us to look a certain way yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah, it, just, it literally become what it became my life. Like that was what, like my identity almost, that was what I did. Like, and that led to me doing my personal training qualification after that. And I started getting into the gym and predominantly to burn calories at first. Um, and yeah, it kind of, I think that's where I initially decided I wanted to study nutrition after I did my personal training. Um, but yeah, it obviously took a little while to get there. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to, talk you back a little bit so you said that that it started off not being a problem can Mm -hmm. you remember when 
you realized or thought that perhaps it was a problem how you yeah, were I think behaving around had, food and exercise yeah I'd had a couple of comments people kind of think oh don't get too skinny as you always do a couple of friends have been like oh you know you don't need to lose any more weight you know I, I've probably looking back now I mean then I thought I looked great like to be honest I was really happy but looking back now I can see exactly what they were talking about when I look at those pictures so there was that that I think I started to think maybe this isn't that sustainable when I went on another holiday and obviously we're eating out at these different places and I was having to kind of try and track as closely as I could because these aren't like big chains or anything they're not in there the database was probably a lot smaller as well back then than it is now um so I really struggled on holiday and then there were a couple of days where or probably more where I didn't know if if I'd like stayed in or I like there were things I was putting in that could have been massively over my calories or or under and there was just no kind of trust in myself I could figure that out for myself I was so mm. obsessed with this number on this screen like can I have anything else to forget today for dinner? Like, or am I done? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so oh was... God, absolutely. And I can yeah. remember, I can remember actually not eating things unless I could find them in the app. Yeah, yeah, I did the same. And I can remember that, I mean, just recalling it and we're talking, I probably haven't had an app on my phone probably for about 15 years, but 10 years maybe. But I can remember feeling quite sick in my stomach if I didn't know what the, calorie count was because then yeah. it would throw out my whole day yep and I don't know whether this was the same for you but but if I felt that my total was inaccurate if I felt like I hadn't been able to do it properly that was a real blow it day and yeah. then that could actually lead me to just eat mm -hmm. anything and, and of course overeat because I'd been restricting because I yep. couldn't count it therefore the whole day was blown therefore there was no point bothering did that yeah. kind of thing it's ever happen to you yeah, that started to happen, I think, after this sort of point. Um, surprisingly to me now, I underate for a long, long time without actually going to the binge, which is surprising to me when I think about it because I really wasn't eating much at all. But, like, yeah, eventually, like you say, when you don't know where you are anyway, and if I, if I couldn't track something else, like you said, well, I'll go all out then, I'll have everything. And I was so hungry when I did that because everything's just thrown all out, I had this extreme like hunger that I could eat everything I remember people being like I don't know how you can eat so much and so like, mm. <laughs> you know but and mm. I didn't really understand it at the time either but then you know I just get the horrible guilt the next day and or straight afterwards even most of the time and yeah and then it's that awful spiral that you get stuck in isn't it of course and and of course now with your nutritional training and and and, and in fact wider because we've got so much knowledge haven't we we now know that the kind of foods that we're likely to binge on are the ones that get us into a blood glucose spiking and yeah. dropping cycle, which then actually charge more cravings. And then, yeah. it's, <laughs> then you get into that awful additional cycle. Then you've got two exactly. things going on. You've got the obsession and the guilt. And then you've also got physiologically yeah. what the body wants you to, to eat in order to keep providing that, that hit. So it's yeah, there's just minefield isn't it unless you can understand it and get that stability yeah there's so much going into it so many signals all over the place and it's really hard to get like a, a grip on where you are I think even you know now when I look back I'm like I'm I'm proud of myself for coming out of it because like it's it's crazy how different I feel now around food compared to when when I was in this kind of horrible cycle 
and it's uh, not not so, fun. <laughs> no, it isn't fun. <laughs> no. It isn't fun at all. And I, although I think sometimes we, I don't think we realize at the time. Sometimes, no. and then when we do realize, I think the the effort and the lack of confidence and insecurity around trying to do something different can be so overwhelming that we can just accept that that's how we are and that's how we're going to live around food because that's actually the easiest, most most familiar way of yeah. existing. Yeah, so I think what I did, because I've gotten into my fitness quite a lot, is, and that was at the time where there was a lot of cheat day things on Instagram. So I started doing that. So I, I wanted to feel like I could control the binge, so I'd, I'd schedule it. So I'd have like a... And I'd still feel awful, like still wouldn't feel good. But in my head, I was then in control of it. So if I just had like Saturday night or Sunday, I mean, it always end up being longer than what I said it was going to be. It would never be one meal. It would always, you know, leak over into the next day over the weekend. And then you'd feel terrible on Monday. But for me, I mean, that went on for a long time, just having these like cheat days um, and trying to justify it that way. And yeah, yeah. so I think that, that's what kept me stuck in it for a long time was that whole cheat day culture that was around at the time it felt acceptable because so many other people seemed to be doing a similar thing um although yes. I was always yes. convinced I was deleting more than everyone else <laughs> oh oh were you oh interesting yeah I think I think that's quite common I mean I I remember allowing myself the weekends which I think when I was doing it it wasn't called a cheat day because there wasn't social media. There wasn't that yeah. conversation going on about it. But I remember, and then every Monday, depending on how, how bad the weekend, bad, inverted commas, the weekend had been, Monday would be another notebook. It would be another start. And if it mm -hmm. had been a particularly bad weekend, then Monday would be a lot more restrictive. So it would be a way to punish myself because I'd been so bad. Yeah. And it was a way to try and get rid of some of the guilt by by coming down really, really hard on my myself. And I'm sure that there will be people listening for whom that is going on now. It's still. Yeah. Going, so you know, difficult. And... I remember like plugging in, trying to, after the fact, plug into the app everything that I'd eaten over the weekend so I could work out exactly how over I'd gone and then trying to compensate for that over the week. So minus 500 or whatever odd calories a day until I could get back into like a green zone and make up for an obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if we think back, that, that took so much energy. So, so much, much energy. energy. It's like, oh, that's just, I mean, it's nuts, really. It's easy for us to say now because we're out the other side, but it's, but, you know, it just takes up so much of your time and your energy, which which is so, so much better when we can be putting that energy into something much more constructive. So you said that you feel proud of yourself for having come out of that. So talk to us about how you managed to do that. What was the process? It was slow. It was long. Um, I wish I'd gotten help, but I'm very introverted. And I think even my family didn't really know how severe it was and I think I was in a lot of denial about it as well so I started off really slowly and um, I started to unfollow some of the accounts on social media that are, were very much kind of of that lifestyle and um, 
and I started to follow and I'd start to hear of intuitive eating kind of being thrown around a little bit so I started really small I think initially I just didn't track my vegetables and I wouldn't put them into my fitness pal and then I would try to, and if I did binge it took a while but I would really try not to compensate for it so the next day I would make sure that even and it was small at first but I'd, I'd make sure I had something for each meal and um, probably not any snacks still that took a long time but just those little things over a period of time um, and then eventually I started to get into mindfulness and sort of meditation and learning to kind of be in the moment but that took a long long time um, and listening to your body as well like I was just completely unfamiliar with that concept like I didn't trust my body at all because my body was letting me you know cake after cake donut after donut like why should I trust why should I trust my body when it lets me do that or when it wants to do that um so that took me years like a long 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 time yeah. to and then also you had you had over overridden all those natural cues exactly. for, such, for such a long time. Exactly. But actually, A, you couldn't trust and B, you probably didn't really know what hunger and fullness felt like. No, no I didn't have a clue anymore. That was no. long gone. Yeah, absolutely. No. And I think that so much of this process is about about trust. And when I start working with people, I'm I'm very clear that it's that I'm not about weight loss. I'm about changing the behaviors and that if there's weight to lose eventually some of it might come off but actually depending on the age we are there are so many factors as to whether that weight is actually going to shift and I think that's why the work the work that we do it has to be psychological doesn't it as well as nutritional and it has to also encompass body image work because the fact is some of it is about accepting the body that we have and being grateful for it and working with it rather than against it because That's all of this so history yeah. you're talking about and that I experienced and many people listening does feel like a constant battle don't you think it does yeah you're literally at, like you're at war with yourself like it's it's hot it's horrible it's and it's so lonely so isolating as well because you just don't you feel like you can't really talk to anyone about it and it's, it's a really horrible place mm. to be in um yeah it takes a long time to yeah. really and you know like what you said about the the weight and people having expectations of you to look a certain way like that was really really a big problem for me for a long time and it kept me kind of falling back into the cycle because I think I don't know if you found the same thing but whenever you start to eat normally you feel like you put on weight immediately and of course you haven't and it's you, maybe you're a little bit bloated or there's a little bit of water or whatever but you instantly feel like you look awful like no matter what so then I'd want to go back into the what I knew like I know I can control it if I count my calories I know I'm gonna not be bloated and I can wear what I want if I do this and it takes a long time to kind of just accept the fact that you're probably not meant to be this thing <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't mean anything bad's gonna happen but you need to kind of gets back to your kind of set point I guess where you're supposed that's to right be. yes exactly and I think that the more we have that that external that extrinsic val validation going on in our in our minds that we mentioned earlier the harder that is 100% yeah I mean um, I had to throw away a lot of clothes like a lot of things that I knew like were not going to be comfortable even when I was bloated like there were things that I wouldn't wear because I just thought they looked awful and of course they, no one else would have noticed at all but in your head like it's so big so there were loads of clothes that I threw away and I have to say even now like there are certain things that I find really uncomfortable to wear anything that's slightly tight 
around my midsection because that was where I was so conscious before I can't get really uncomfortable I have to kind of have a chat to myself still sometimes like this isn't you know this is where you were before like this isn't a thing anymore like you're fine um but yeah like it takes years I think it's probably something that's always going to be there you'll always know what what you went through before so um but yeah it's, it's a really long process and it's really difficult yeah it is and I think you make a really interesting point there and a point that I think it's important for for everyone at the end of any kind of recovery whether it's eating issues or it's addiction or it's some other behavior that we're trying to get over that we can we can change it and we can be consistently different but I think there are still the voices mm-hmm. and I think those voices will come back as you say maybe triggered by a particular piece of clothing a particular person yeah so I always work when I work with my clients I always do a backstory because a lot of behavior can be driven by perceptions of our ourselves and those can have been created by the people that we've been with and events that we've had I mean like in your case for example but but sometimes some of those messages that we, that we have in our heads those voices belong to someone else yeah absolutely. and it might go back 10 20 30 30 years and so I think when we are either with those people or we're in a uh, situation of vulnerability then our dear old subconscious mind says oh it's okay this is what you need to hear we think yeah I thought I'd put that away in the very bottom drawer of the filing cabinet. How dare you get that out again and wave it at me? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't listen to that yeah. voice anymore. But I think it's I think yeah. it's unrealistic, <laughs> isn't it, to expect that they've all gone. They never 100 percent Yeah. It's such a it's a long time. Like I think most people struggle for, you know, a long time. So it's not just gonna disappear overnight. And like you say, whenever there's an external stressor or something that maybe brings it back a little bit, they are gonna try and make their way out of the bottom of that drawer again um but yeah I think you once you you kind of where maybe we are now you kind of learn how to quiet them down again put them back away <laughs> and carry yeah. on but it, it's it's not an easy and not an easy thing at all <laughs> so it's a comfort thing isn't it for a long time like when you're you have that control like it feels like you're so on top of things and it's it's addictive like it is addictive you want to go back to it whenever you might feel out of control somewhere else it's the yeah. first thing you can you can go back to yeah. yeah and I think that having the voices is is fine having the cues is fine but it is about hopefully through strategies that you learn working with someone or you're able to do yourself that you can have that internal dialogue that actually yeah. turns it around and diffuses it and it's then what you do with it that that is the important thing. And then and then over time, that change in behavior creates a different neural pathway, doesn't it? And then it it builds up the consistency. What is it that um, that James Clear says in his brilliant book Atomic Habits? He says you have to put in the reps. Yeah, you know, exactly. You have that. To, yeah, you have to just yeah. do it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, do it exactly. Don't so worry about whether you can do it next time. Just do it once. Yeah. Then do it again. Then do it again. And then gradually you're retraining exactly messages aren't you yes yeah absolutely it's a really good way so, to put it <laughs> yeah oh bless you thank you so where are you now how would you describe your relationship with food and your body and and, and that part of um, your life now? I'm pretty good now actually um, I have to say you know, I'm, I'm still surprised to myself because uh, when I was in it I mean because I knew the calories and 
everything, literally everything. I need the macros. And I thought, even if I try and stop this, there's never going to be a time where I can sit in front of a plate and not know exactly what I'm eating. But I don't anymore. Like I genuinely don't because I stopped. I stopped doing it. I stopped adding it up in my head. And that takes a long time. So now I, I'm very much in tune to kind of hunger and fullness signals. I'm able to sit there before a meal and think, am I hungry? Do I want this? Like, and it's still a shock to me because it's, when I used to hear people say this, when I first started looking into speaking, I kind of thought, oh, what a load of rubbish. You know, <laughs> like, there's no way they do that. <laughs> that doesn't work. But it does if you do it enough. It's like you said, you put in the reps and eventually you can get there. And, you know, I, I think this probably comes from being a kid as well, but we were always like told to clear our plates like when we were little. So that now, like I can leave food because I know I'm not hungry enough for it. And it's not because I'm dieting. It's just because I don't want to eat all of it. So, yeah. And like with my body, I have to say, I did stop actually going to the gym for a while because that was very much intertwined with what my kind of disordered eating was telling me. So that was only to... I mean, I was looking into being like a bikini fitness competitor for a while. So going to the gym was like all entwined in that. So I did change up the way I exercise. I actually got into pole fitness because it's very much more focused on strength, like what you can, what your body can do rather than, you know, how defined it is. Or And I've actually found that that community is really good. There's so many people of different body shapes and they're so strong. And it's it's just such a nicer way to to view exercise and I have gone back to the gym since but now I'm going to get stronger for pole so it's a completely different relationship and I'm not saying that's something that everybody needs to do but for me it was so intertwined and mm. now like I really do appreciate what my body can do rather than what it looks like and I'm I'm really grateful that it didn't suffer more like because I really put it through some, some rubbish over a long period of time so yeah it's it's quite amazing actually how how you can turn it around I think oh that's remarkable and just for anybody who didn't catch the fitness it was pole as in pole sorry yeah pole fitness yeah (laughs) and I will put in the blurb Leanne's Instagram page and she sometimes puts pictures and um, (laughs) reels of your very acrobatic um, (laughs) exploits and it looks like there's a huge amount of core required is there for the balance because you're basically moving and holding your own weight all the time, aren't you? It's really hard. They make it look so easy. <laughs> My instructor's incredible and she was showing me these moves and she's just up there like like it's nothing. But yeah, like the amount of core strength, upper body strength, it's it's really difficult. But it's great and it's it's such an achievement like when you get something. And to me, like changing the way that I see exercise has been so massive um because I think that was part of what was keeping me in that cycle before so I think it it's seeing everything holistically as well isn't it which is probably comes into what you do a lot as well but realizing what's triggering you maybe isn't always just the food like there's other things that come into it as well and for me the gym weight training was definitely one of those things so I had to take a break from that for a while absolutely and I think it's amazing that you had the awareness to actually step back because I think that's what what's hard for people because they can feel very trapped and they can't they can't really see so so yes you're right part of what I do at the beginning is to sort of look at other other factors so I'll ask about about working life I'll ask about family life I'll ask about other 
pressures. I'll ask about stressors. And and in fact, only the other day, I was talking to a, a lovely client who was really, really struggling. And we ended up spending most of the hour talking about parenting. Because yeah. a lot of her emotional eating was coming out of the fact that she was finding her two young children a real a real strain. Yeah. And so yeah. we sort of looked at looked at how she could make it better for for herself. And she went away with some different ideas of how to approach, you know, discipline, what was important, what wasn't important. And because there was no way the eating was really going to get any better until she had more time and space for herself to be able to really have those those moments of pause to be aware of what was going on to be more mindful about it she was just under far too much too much yeah pressure. exactly yeah yeah oh, but I think a... I think sometimes it's hard to to see that for yes our, yeah ourselves, isn't it so hard and that's why I wish I'd had help <laughs> because it took me I think I could have done things a lot quicker with help so if I was going to give anyone advice, it would be. I know it's really hard sometimes to find somebody, um, and I, but I think it's easier now. I think there are more people that are aware of it now. Um, but yeah, I wish I'd had someone that could have done that to come in from the outside and said, actually, this is probably where we need to look at, you yeah. know, making a yeah. rather than because when I was doing it on my own, it was I didn't really. It took me a long time to realize the gym was even involved. I was just looking at the food because yeah. that's what she seemed to be. But yeah, you're right. Like it's everything else anything <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yes exactly so where are you now in your studying I think you've nearly you've nearly finished haven't you yes so we are just waiting for our grades we've done all our final exams um so it should be well we'll be hopefully graduating in July and um, with my nutrition um degree so that's exciting um just waiting for our final results to filter through yeah (laughs) lovely and in fact I should say that the person that we have in common is is Imogen Imogen (laughs) who I have also had on the podcast who I've known all my life because she is my my very very dear niece I absolutely adore her she's she's amazing and I think I saw you pop up on her Instagram page and I just sort of read some of your story and thought oh it, w- it would just be lovely if you would come on and oh. and share your <laughs> experiences because you're young and 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 because there are a lot of young young women out there who will be having exactly the same um trials tribulations feelings um and I think it's important that that people listening can can relate and so by having someone on who is who is young I was hoping that that would be a good a good point of reference to actually say do it now don't wait until like me you get to your mid-50s do it now do it in your 20s 30s so that you have a much much happier life with food for longer yeah it's just it's it's kind of don't let it be your whole life isn't it for me it was just my whole whole entire life and there's so much more to life like there's so many things to enjoy and do and you just can't do any of that when you're constantly thinking about what you're eating or what you shouldn't be eating or what you ate yesterday like it's it's just such a waste of your life we're not here for very long <laughs> well so exactly. yeah I you have think... to make the most of every every single every single moment so exactly so what, yeah exactly what, what are your plans then so you're going to come come away with with um, a very well-deserved degree in nutrition. You've got your personal yeah, training so qualifications I'm already. Actually, so. oh. Sorry, I lost you then for one second. Could you oh, say that? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. No, so I was just saying, so 
what what plans with your nutritional degree and with your personal training will they still combine or what sort of avenues are you exploring well I'm starting my own business which is very exciting um it's so predominant work where I was really um so help people get out of that cycle and people that are feeling trapped in that binge restrict um so that's where I really wanted to go and the personal training it depends people I'm going to kind of leave it as they can take it if they want it but I think in what I'll be doing nutrition wise it's not always that helpful um but yeah it's there as an option <laughs> and then I'm actually going on to do a master's in September um, in psychology um so I'm really looking forward to that so that'll be a nice way to combine everything and get a bit deeper on the psychology side of things and hopefully help it will. a bit more no, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Yes, I, I know that the the psychology pieces that I, on my master practitioner were were so interesting and so helpful. So it's a it's a, a course that's approved by the British Psychological Society. Um, so I know that they're sound and I've had a lot of success. I know that they've been really helpful. A, a lot of those psychological techniques that we learned. So it seems like a natural extra layer doesn't it to what you've already done and what you've experienced yeah absolutely to me I mean I was always very torn about whether to study nutrition or psychology and so I'm just really glad I can do both <laughs> so I think they just go like say they just go so well together and you can't really when you're talking about disordered eating you can't really have one without the other because they're so just completely related aren't they <laughs> they are they are yeah yeah totally totally so are you are you working now? Or are you going to wait until you've done your master's before you sort of launch? Properly? No, I'll be working now. Um, so yeah, I'm taking on clients from July. And um, so I'm just getting everything ready and organised um, for that. So yeah, I'll be ready to go in a couple of weeks, which is pretty exciting. It's very <laughs> exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So, <laughs> so I will put all your information in the blurb on, on the podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you'll find it underneath in the usual place um so if you want to get in touch with uh, Leanne or if you just want to follow her because you've really enjoyed this conversation then I'm sure she will um welcome welcome that and so, <laughs> so if there's if there's one thing that you would say to someone who is in their early 20s and is struggling with similar similar issues what would you say to them just I know how impossible it feels because I know that right now it's your entire life and you can't do anything without thinking about food. You can't even go out for the day without thinking about what you're going to eat. But it is so possible and you can get to a point where, like me, you can look at a plate and not add up everything on it and just eat it until you're full. Like, it is possible. <laughs> I promise. Like, it's not, you don't have to stay where you are. Like, and I would get help because you'll just get there quicker. Um, I mean, I managed by some miracle to kind of get there on my own and um, although I had therapy a lot later on I will say but um like it was it would just have been so much more helpful to have someone in my pocket like telling me you know yeah what to look at I mean like you, like you just said with your client being able to have someone that can look from the outside and other aspects of your life that might not be helping you um because that's really hard to see on your own yeah yeah oh Leanne well very very sound, sound advice. Oh, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us. It's been an absolute joy. The time has whizzed by. I can't. It has. Yeah. <laughs> thank yes. you for having me. It's been great. Oh, absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
So thank you very much for listening to the Mindful Eating Clinic podcast. There are lots of other conversations that you can find. I think this is number 60, my episode 60. Um, Some of the podcasts are my mindful moments, which are me just emptying my head on a particular topic that I want to talk about. But increasingly, they are conversations like this, which are very, very enjoyable for me. So I look forward to welcoming you back next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great day. Bye-bye.